eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is a Swiss luxury watch manufacturer based in Schaffhausen, Switzerland. Known for its unique engineering approach to watchmaking, IWC combines the best of human craftsmanship and creativity with cutting-edge technology and processes. Discover the full collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at at The Block. And today, we have mining research analyst Wolfie Zhao with us for The Mining Report. Wolfie, how's it been? Hey, Frank. Thanks for having me again. Hello, everyone. This is Wolfie Zhao, and welcome back to another edition of The Mining Report. So today, we're going to take a closer look at the current status of Bitcoin mining from the first half of 2022 to today. So Frank, I think the last time we we chatted was about late April. So the past two to three months have have seen a lot of things happening in the in the crypto space and also affected you know the overall market sentiment and prices. So this trickles down to a lot of changes in the Bitcoin mining industry as well. You know, at some high level, we saw a lot of miners. Uh, liquidating their assets in June. Um, a little, it started a little bit in May, but they kind of accelerated in that in June. You know, we we saw the headlines that Core Scientific selling. I think I think from May to June they sold nearly a ten thousand bitcoins, accounting for a big chunk of their bitcoin reserves. But on the other hand, some of the some other large miners like Marathon and Hot A, they they're still holding on to their 100% hold strategy. So I don't know how long they're going to they're going to stick with that, but it's kind of interesting that some of the strategy has changed. I think I think in the earlier this year episodes we we talked about you know this is a big question cuz if bitcoin prices continue to drop and they will have problems raising external monies to equity or debt from the public markets then they don't have much choices but to sell bitcoins to sustain their you know their expansion and and operations and it's kind of it's kind of painful to see that you know that that question has become more and more relevant so you know if, if we look at the whole like the the year today bitcoin money status i think it has also uh, changed a lot compared to last year um first the hash price right now we're getting to uh, lowest level since maybe August, September, 2020. So that means uh, 
the hash price is the dollar worth of revenue that each terahash of computing power can generate on a daily basis. So if you look at the hash rate, network hash rate, right now we're still up year to day compared to like January. So I think it's still up like five, eight, five to eight percent or five to ten percent. But Bitcoin price has dropped more than I guess like more than fifty percent since since January. So that means you know the amount of Bitcoin you can mine on a daily basis has reduced by um, five to ten percent. But also the price is, has also dropped like more than fifty percent. So your your hash price is down a lot. Basically, the revenue is down a lot. And on the other hand, the energy cost, uh, basically all the important component that makes up your Bitcoin mining costs are also going up. You know, there has been this global uh, like geopolitical tension and causes, you know, oil and gas, gas prices going up. So the energy prices for most of miners are also increasing. And that is that that makes a big chunk of their total cost. Right. So a lot of the miners, they said in their Q1 earnings calls that they're all in 2022 energy rates for Bitcoin mining across all their facilities will be like 10, 20, 10 to 20% higher. And you know, this this situation may not correct until maybe like next year. And I, I think I think I read some estimation from US Energy Administration and they said you know the energy rate is gonna go up until at least like next year. And you know now we're at a summer, you know it's even worse because some of the miners have the, the in Texas are facing the, the the kind of heat waves that is actually pretty global. Um, so then, then they're also having to have to you know power down their their operations just because of the heat waves. But that's that's on the you know the raw material and the raw cost. Um, on top of that, a lot of the miners. I think we touched on this. In previous episodes, a lot of the miners they took a serious level of leverage last year, and that that means they have a lot of interest expenses that they have to pay every quarter. Uh, we counted, I think, at least billion dollars of outstanding loan payables for about a dozen public miners. So that doesn't even include those private and smaller miners who may have also taken loans. So there's a lot of interesting expenses to pay. We have published a recent research paper, research article about you know the, the interest expense and, and indirect costs for Bitcoin mining. Some of the miners, you know, the, the interest expenses that they pay per Bitcoin mine over a quarter is actually pretty close to their, you know, their energy cost per Bitcoin. So it's making a also a very significant chunk of their quarterly expenses per Bitcoin mine. And on top of that, you know, a lot of companies have expanded last year. They have hired more people. And because their infrastructure has grown, they have to pay more, like much higher insurance premium. So these all add up to, you know, much higher operational costs. That is that is in addition to the interest expense and direct cost of like, like energy direct cost. So when you're adding all these things up, a lot of miners are actually, I think it's it's kind of expected that they will incur that loss even for EBITDA. 
for Q2. So it's basically, you know, the revenue is down, um, your cost is up, and your gross margin is just reduced by a lot. And to the point, if if some of the miners that have taken leverage and not the and, and and if the the gross profit from the mining operation cannot cover their you know interest expenses or operational expenses, then you know, when we see some of the loans getting default or you know operations have to cut back their headcounts or other expansion ambitions throughout like the rest of 2022. So that's also that also explains like why some of the miners, I think most of them have have made choices to sell bitcoins, which is not really ideal, especially like for example, Bitforums and Core Scientific, they have been holding the bitcoins throughout 2021 um, to the point that they, they have become one of the largest Bitcoin um, holders as a mining company. But then they didn't sell at the top of the, the bull market last year and now they have to sell for like maybe $20,000 per coin um, in, in big farms cases. So I think the landscape has kind of changed. And so we will have to see, you know, how long, wh- whether this is like right now we're at the bottom of the market or or if it goes lower. Uh, if it goes lower, I think if it goes down below like $15,000, and I think it will trigger another uh, round of you know minor capitulations, um, especially those who are running inefficient power rates or like older generation of models. They may have like bigger issues if price cannot remain like above twenty thousand dollars level. So let's see. I don't know if if, but I think we're not. Yes, we're not. We have not yet seen the same level of. Capitulation as we saw in December 2018, that was uh, well, that was a much more terrible uh, situation where miners where the the latest generation, the most powerful generation of equipment at the market at the time was not profitable, right? So people had to dump all the S sevens, S nines, but right right now we're still fine at the current price level. Uh, most of the S nineteen pros they. It can remain profitable at the global average interest rate. If the price drops down to ten thousand dollars, then that is that is the next uh, challenge that we will face. You mentioned the all important C word, yeah, capitulation. It sounds like we haven't seen it in mining. It certainly seems like we've seen it in the rest of the market. There's been some scary headlines out of the mining world, but we haven't seen bankruptcy filings. We haven't seen companies looking to get acquired by other companies. We haven't seen, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you you watch this more than I do, we haven't seen any big down rounds in this market. So it certainly doesn't seem like we've hit capitulation. Yeah. I mean, so when you say like capitulation, it's like, you know, we would probably need to Define it. it's like a company finding bankruptcy, like going out of business. I don't think we have. Well, I don't think we have seen any of that yet. Maybe there are smaller operations. Maybe there's like smaller scale miners have done that, but for the, like institutional miners, we have not seen. Even if they have sold a lot of their Bitcoin reserves, they're still operating their sites as business usual. I think the scariest headlines probably Compass. 
right? Oh yeah, I, I think there was there were some headlines about Compass um, their their issue with with one of their hosting providers, and then they recovered some of uh, most of the equipment that was hosted in at the provider's site. And yeah, and then some of the layback uh, layoff news. Um, because apparently, I, I think they also admitted that they they grew too fast last year, hired too many people. Plus, I don't think they necessarily mind for themselves, but more in a broker kind of business that they sell machines for their for their customers and host it for their customers. But yeah, I think also that we haven't seen any massive like layoff or company cutback. Uh, or companies going bankrupt. Exactly. But are we going to see it, in your opinion? Or does it go back to that magic number that you mentioned, 10,000? Yeah, I think I think it does depend on Bitcoin price. If it goes down to a level where, you know, the S19s uh, are not going to become profitable or even if the s19s are profitable but if you're adding all the interest expense and the necessary you know operational expense then bitcoin price goes down to a level that you know they cannot cover those expenses then they may default on their loans if they default on their loans what are they going to do with their collaterals their collateral being either BTC or their asic equipment then then we will we will see you know miners going bankrupt or even like default on their loans and liquidating oh, their. Wolfie, this is what's scaring me about yeah. what you're talking about is the degree to which some of these miners were slightly overlevered. Okay, mm-hmm. these miners are probably borrowing from the same counterparties that lent out to Three Arrows Capital. Do you think there's a possibility that now that these lenders have been caught flat-footed after three arrows, that they might be less inclined to lend out to miners, which then could trigger or result in some sort of liquidity crunch in the mining arena? I think for for most of the lenders, their their loans to Bitcoin mining companies, they're mostly collateral over collateralized, either secured by Bitcoin or ASIC miners, or in some cases like their infrastructure. So, I mean, I I don't know how how it will affect the miners' credibility. They should be fine because they're over collateralized. This point, yeah, and also I, I think there's a there's a very interesting nuance when they give out like loans that is secured by Bitcoin or they secured by the ASIC miners because ASIC miners as collateral they are not as liquid as Bitcoin mining in, in a secondary market. Like say, Bitfarms borrowed a lot, hundred million dollars from the Galaxy and they used all their Bitcoin reserves to to pledge as collateral and. That collateral can be liquidated pretty pretty promptly, right? When the, when the price drops down to like twenty k. Um, but for ASIC miners, the, the market is very illiquid, so I don't think the lenders will necessarily take away or liquidate the ASIC collaterals once once the loan goes under collateralized. Because like, what are they gonna do with the ASICs? A, they have to find a counterparty to sell the machines, or B. 
they can mine for themselves if they can find the right facility and, and power capacity. So my point is they may not necessarily sell all the ASIC collaterals so long as the borrowers can keep the machines up and running and generate additional Bitcoin to pay their interest expenses and their operational expenses. So um, to the point that Bitcoin price is so low that you know their gross profit cannot cover the interest expenses, then it's a problem because you know they, they might have to default on their loans. And if they default on their loans, they, they have to you know either sell their equipment or, or let the lenders take away the, the ASICs. So I think for the for the like the liquidity issue, I don't I don't think there's the same level as we see with the 3AC or Celsius like like problem because like I'm not following this too closely, but I think the most of the problem of the 3AC is like all of the loans were not collateralized, right? So like for miners, I think their credibility as a borrower has always been like it's also being like reliable because like they can generate Bitcoin, new Bitcoin once they plug in the machines. So you can count on them that they 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 have the ability to pay for the interest expenses and also have the collateral. So I mean, as long as the the due diligence process is good and you make sure the miners actually have have the ability to plug in the miners that that they say they have, and then I think I think they actually have a pretty decent like risk profile to me. So as long as the loans are like over collateralized, I don't think we may see any like liquidity issues. Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is known for continually innovating within the world of Swiss watchmaking. A pioneer in the use of titanium and ceramics, IWC today specializes in highly engineered watch cases manufactured from advanced materials such as colored ceramics, ceritanium, and titanium aluminide. This year's collection includes colored ceramic pieces in Lake Tahoe white and woodland green. Discover the new collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. When you look across the North American landscape, who's winning the Bitcoin wars right now? You mean at the at the current market status? Yeah, I mean, like we had, you know, when we hearken back a year ago, two years ago, you had Foundry coming on, you had Galaxy Digital, you had Compass was trying to make a splash, Core Scientific was going public, and obviously all of these firms operate in different verticals or in different categories of what we call mining, right? Mining is not, it is a catch-all term. That's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. But everyone's trying to grab a piece of many of the pies. Who's impressed you so far? Like who's actually like, mm -hmm. okay, 
wow, I'm surprised that they're doing this well. Huh, that's interesting. I can't really think of one particular. Or maybe no one's impressing you. Maybe everyone's just like I, I this is interesting. Like mining, you're right. Like mining is like a one for all phrase. But when you look at all the public miners we have these days, like there are more than two dozen of them. I, I think a lot of them have different. Like you can almost like separate them into different categories based on their business models. This is a sign that the industry has grown over the past decade. You know, there are miners who are just miners. Like, they don't even own facilities, right? Like Marathon. They just go after, like, hosting partners. They only own the machines. And there are also companies who do self-mine and also own their facilities. And there are also companies who own facilities, then they do not just self-mine. They also offer to hosting customers, like Core Scientific, Riot Blockchain. And there, and there are even more integrated companies like Stronghold Digital and Greenwich. They they own power plants. They own self mining facilities. They own miners, and they do self mine. And they have two revenues from the energy sales, and they they also generate from from Bitcoin mining. So, what I do feel is that having a more diversified like revenue streams as a Bitcoin mining company and and or or let's say have a more like integrated business model, it does have the advantage throughout a bear market. Because like some of some of the companies like Stronghold, they, they actually said, you know, in their Q1 is that if Bitcoin price drops below 22k, we're not gonna mine. We're gonna continue to sell energy to the grid or to the market. So we're gonna sell the energy that was supposed to power our Bitcoin miners back to the grid or back to the market, because selling the energy makes more money than generating the Bitcoins, if Bitcoin price drops below 22K. Uh, they even had a model, like like a price modeling for that scenario, which I found interesting because it's it just like as the industry grows, like the, the, the companies can become more vertically integrated and that gives them the edge to like having additional revenue streams in a bear market. So. I think it's just like one observation. Um, as far as like who's winning, I think I think if you look at the different companies at a different like spectrum, it's hard to like say which ones really stands out because they're all they're all in their different categories. But I, I think the ones that that will sustain in the long term are the ones that you know kind of conservative, do not take too much leverage, and have like a more diverse uh, business model. So like if you have one single business model and you take too much leverage, then you're definitely more risky throughout the bear market. But if mm. you take a lot of leverage, but also you have business other business model to diversify the Bitcoin mining revenue, then I think it's mm. also like sustainable in the long term. So it's like a I think it's I think it depends on like how different companies combine these two. It depends on price. It depends on price and you know, what's funny or interesting to me is the, the degree to which, <laughs> I, I don't know, just because I've been paying more attention to the liquidity crisis in crypto with three arrows versus weather, because it's been quite pleasant in New York, not to brag. But I was just checking the, the temperatures in Austin, and it's it, the high every day this week is 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which... Uh, 
I don't know, Wolfie, what, what is that, like 40 degrees Celsius? I'm, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I'm an American. I don't need to worry about temperature metrics that exist abroad, but that's fairly hot. And obviously, Western Europe has been dealing with their own very intense heat, um, although it's 69 degrees in London right now. Like, give me a break. That's That's <laughs> – pretty normal tomorrow's gonna be uh, anyway without poking too much fun at our european friends the weather seems to be the biggest issue here for miners uh, forget kyle davies and suzu let's talk about al roker yeah yeah i'm not sure if you noticed but like like the bitcoin hash rate has dropped down by a notable margin over the past like week or two i think we are now like 190 exchange um, so that was like a big reason was like the global heat waves, right? Because the Texas miners, they, they have to like curtail their power capacity um, from mining anyways. So actually, you know, it, it's it's pretty hot. So it's, it's just really, like it's more dangerous to run the Bitcoin miners if you are using like air cooling systems. So you so like powering down and to strengthen the grid might, might actually be a better choice. Uh, <laughs> but... You know, it's just like uh, it's just like the Bitcoin price is dropping, and then you're getting less Bitcoin. Well, Wolfie, all these podcast guests that we've had on from the mining world have said we add value to the grid during these uh, periods of intense pressure. Is that BS? I think there that's that is a yes. I think it depends on how you see it. Like the the issue with Texas is like in the past it's like when when kind of extreme weather that happens the energy rate can go up a lot, right? Because there is a power crunch, and that is the that is the problem that uh, retail retailers have to pay. And so the the pitch with for the Bitcoin miners is that if we if the miners come come to this place and you increase the total grid's power capacity, and then when the kind of extreme weather happens, the miners agree to shut it down. And because you already have that kind of power energy capacity, you can can provide more supply to the to the retailers and to the residents. So Wolfie, we kind of unpacked a lot and. What I love about doing this every month is it kind of, it's not a corner of the market I'm paying too much attention to. So it helps me kind of stay abreast. What else are you looking at? What do you think market participants in this section of crypto and Bitcoin more specifically are not paying enough attention to? And we'll leave it on that note. The ASIC marketplace is, uh, I think, something to look, look out in the coming months. Because it's really the price of ASICs um, on the secondary market and the second market is kind of a strong signal if miners are really capitulating. And if the price drops too low, I think it does show that you know a lot of miners are far selling their equipment. Something to look for. And then I remember um, what happened in the early 2019. I went to a small Chinese miner made up. That was the deep of the bear market last last round. Right. So it's like December, January 2019. And I went to the event and the S nights were dirt cheap back then. And a lot of the longtime miners did the only thing they did was like stacking the hoarding a lot of the S nights. 
because they knew that a lot of the miners capitulated. They fire sold the machines. And that's where, you know, the bull market kind of started, right? After after the price dropped to the three three thousand levels. So if it is anything, I think it's a sign that the miners have capitulated. So the ASIC marketplace is definitely something to look out for. Right now, I think we're still higher than than the price after May 2020 often. So I don't know. Maybe we will have to see whether the price can go lower. But that's it. That's my take. No lower price, Wolfie. Please. No <laughs> lower price. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I mean, to a degree. I mean, I just feel bad. I mean, there's just been so much pain, not even for my own account. But anyway, Wolfie, thank you as always for taking the time to fill us in vis-a-vis the mining report. Are there any pieces that you have out there on your research byline or any pieces you're working on? Yeah, I wrote a Bitcoin mining status for the first half of 2022 weeks ago. And I think we covered most of that. And yeah, I think by the time of the release of this episode, we have also published another piece about the interest expense and indirect costs of Bitcoin mining, where we kind of break down all the public miners' costs of mining each Bitcoin. So if you're interested, we can definitely check it out. Yep, and you can find more of Wolfie's coverage on mining in his report, a look into Bitcoin mining interest expenses and indirect costs on theblock.co. Thanks, Wolfie. Thanks, Frank. The Mining Report will be back for you again. Stay tuned.